The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you this week by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And, Chet, we talked Sixers draft last week with Keith Pompey, and he hit it right on the nose. And tonight, we've got our hockey expert to talk all things Flyers hockey. Well, Bill, it's July. It's 85 degrees outside, so of course we're talking hockey. But hey, really, we do need to talk to our guest this week, Bill Meltzer of HockeyBuzz.com, because the Flyers have several new faces since the season ended, and we've got to find out what it all means for the orange and black going forward. That's right. Well, hey, before we get started, we want to let our listeners know that we will again tonight have our trivia question to try to give away that special prize. Uh, we'll be asking that question at about 729, so write this number down, 929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855. And, Chet, you want to share what that prize is going to be? Yeah, I just posted it on Facebook uh, just like last week, and I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't give it away last week. So, you know, shame on you folks. Uh, we are going to try it again this week to give away – one of our cool Philly Press Box Radio polo shirts. So stick around, and if you are the first one to call in with the correct answer, we'll hook you up with one of those great shirts. So be listening. All right. Well, with that said, let's welcome back HockeyBuzz.com insider. Oh, I lost you. Bill Meltzer. You're I'm back? here. We- okay. I'm Bill, here. welcome <laughs> back. Here, guys. I, I went, I went <laughs> a little bit blank on my end there just a second. Bill, welcome back. And uh, Ron Hextall and the Flyers have given us plenty to talk about. They they sure have. It's uh, between uh, b- between the draft and a, and a pretty big trade and, uh, you know, uh, changing goal and uh, the development camp coming up. we we got a lot to talk about, so let's, let's get rolling. All right, Bill, this is Chet. The Flyers, yeah, they got a bit lucky with the second overall pick in last month's draft, ending up with Nolan Patrick. He's a six foot two, about two hundred pound center who's certainly very skilled. So I want to ask you, how good is Patrick, and should we be concerned about his history with sports hernias and the fact that he had a second abdominal surgery not long before the draft? Well, anytime you know, anytime a player has has an injury that significantly affects him, there's always a degree of concern. You know, with with Patrick, what happened was that he got misdiagnosed last year. They found one hernia. He actually had two. Uh, and it uh, it affected him all season, and I say it affected him all season, but he still averaged almost you know, one point four points per game. I mean, most players would kill <laughs> kill for something like that. He uh, you know, he came off a huge year the year before that, and really, even you know, if Nico Heischer hadn't had such a huge year in the Quebec League, I still think Patrick would have been the first pick in the draft this year. He, he's a very skilled player. Um, he's you know he potentially could play in the NHL next season. He's not going to be a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby type where he's, you know, a once-in-a-generation player, but he's going to be a very good NHL player if he stays healthy. 
Uh, in terms of the injury issues, does make, you, know, you do worry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Does he make the team uh, this year? I, I think, yeah. I, I don't think he has anything left to prove in the in the uh, Western Hockey League. I do think that he comes up at minimum. At minimum, they get nine, you know, a nine game look at him before they burn a year off his off of his contract. So I think at the, the minimum he gets that. Uh, but I think I think he'll be with the team all season. I mean, Ron Hexall isn't going to say that. He's going to say he has to earn a spot and and whatnot. But I think I think there's a very good chance, particularly following Braden Shen being traded, that um, that Patrick will make the team this season for sure. You know, I think that uh, as long as he has a decent camp and doesn't get hurt, I think he's uh, got a good chance. Well, Bill, what did you think about the Flyers trading up to that number 27 slot in the draft and picking? Um, Morgan Frost, just a small guy, 5'11", 173 pounds. Is he, uh, obviously, they liked him. They say the scouts liked him, although uh, he was projected to be a little lower by most. Uh, good pick? I thought, it, you know, his, he's a guy that really wasn't a lot of consensus on. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Grant McCagg. He was a former Montreal Canadian scout. He runs a, he runs a scouting publication. He had, he had Frost as ranked 21st. And was saying that a lot of uh, a lot of people in the in NHL scouting circles, you know, were really high on him. According to Hextall, you know, it was unanimous among the Flyers scouts, which is which is really rare. Usually, they try to go by consensus, but you, you know, usually there's seven guys, maybe five like him, six like him. According according to Hextall, at least all seven were, were on board with the pick. He's a he's a very fast skater. Uh, they have the CHL top prospects game every year, and they do a skills competition thing around that and. Uh, Frost won the best skater, best best uh, speed burst competition, both with and without the puck. Uh, you know, and, that, and he sure was involved in that, and other other guys too. So he's he's a real high end skater. He's a very good playmaker. As you said, he's he's on the small side. He's going to need to fill out. Um, maybe he ends up being a winger when he turns pro, rather than being a center. Has to work in his defensive game a little bit. But you know, you, you, when you have a fast guy with good offensive instinct to who plays in the top six on a uh, his, his team, the Sioux Samory Greyhounds, is a very deep team in the Ontario Hockey League, and he fit in right in with those guys at the top of the lineup. Um, they had six guys who were, who were kind of high end NHL prospects on that team, and he didn't look out of place among them. So, you know that that's a good starting place, and from there you hope he keeps developing. Hopefully, you know he's going to go back to junior hockey this year. He's probably going to go back to junior hockey the year, you know, next the season after this one. And then, then you see how ready he is, you know, and, and how he develops from there. But as a starting point, you know, it's a good place. I, I think that, I think that from an immediate standpoint, though, you know, they're they're going to have to replace Braden Shen's 25 goals a year. Uh, they're going to count on young players to do that. Uh, you know, they re-signed Jordan Wheel, so some of that has to come from him. Uh, assuming Patrick makes the team, someone has to come from him. And people aren't talking about uh, the, this young Swedish player, uh, Oscar Lindblom, who's coming over. But he was uh, he was the top forward in the Swedish league this past year, their, their top league over there at uh, 20 years old. And he's he's a he's a player who's somewhat similar to Shen. I could actually see him at some point, maybe not right away, but at some point taking Shen's role in the power play. Um, he's a good two-way player, not the fastest guy in the world, but then again, neither is Shen. I think that uh, you know maybe not right off the bat, but but as the season develops, those are the guys that are, they're going to look to pick up some of the slack offensively, and they're going to need a bounce back here from Giroux. They're going to need you know, Voracek to score a little bit more. You know, I, I think that uh, you know there, there's 
there's question marks there, but there are also guys I think that are capable of, of delivering some good things and moving forward too to get two first round picks for Shen. Unless you're unless you're in first, unless you're in win now mode, I don't know if too many NHL general managers that would have turned down um, an NHL roster player and more important than that, two first round picks. The uh, Flyers got a got a player from. Um, from Buffalo named Yuri Latera, um, and his, the accent is on the first syllable because it's a Finnish name. People call him Latera, but anyway, um, he uh, he's a good two-way player. He had a good first year in North America a couple of years ago. Really had a pretty disappointing year offensively this past year. I think he's going to play more in the bottom six of the Flyers lineup. Uh, I I don't think he's going to score a lot of goals necessarily. Um, a couple of years ago, he scored 14, and then he's scored less and less the last two. But I think that he I think he's gonna go out get twenty five assists, maybe maybe a dozen goals and play a good two way game. That's what they're looking for from him. Um he signed for this year and next, which is, you know, at a pretty high cap hit. I think I think there was a little bit of give and take with that where the Flyers were taking a salary that that St. Louis wanted to get rid of, but still still a guy who in the bottom six of the lineup can can play a role for the team. I think that uh you know I think that there's going to be a little transition in the team. Like they have to kind of slot where Sean Couturier is he going to be, you know, I guess he'll start out still the second line guy, but I think eventually you'll find that uh, the top two centers will still be Giroux and, and Patrick. Hopefully within a couple of years, Patrick has first line center kind of potential. So I think that, you know, over time he may take over the top spot. And then Couturier may be slotted in around the third line, which I think is his optimal role anyway. All right, you mentioned Claude Giroux. Uh, Bill, is he getting old already, or were his frequent struggles the last two seasons due to nagging injuries, or what? Can he bounce back? I think he can bounce back. I, I you know, I don't think he's um, he's going to play. I mean, a couple a couple of seasons ago, he was the Hart Trophy finalist. I don't know if he's that player at this point. Um, I do think that the the hip and groin surgery he had affected him a large part of this past season. You know, Giroux is a, is a small player, and so he relies on his speed and his finesse. And really, if you, if you look back this year, there weren't a lot of times, besides putting up points, where Giroux was, was getting that separation from defensemen that he needs in open ice. So, uh, you know, I, the later part of the season, it started looking like it was coming back a little bit. But I don't think he's, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go in this year penciling Giroux in for 80, 85 points at this point. I think that if he goes out, gets 65, 70 points, gets back in the 20-goal range. That's, I think that that's a fair expectation from him. And also, of course, you know, he still is a very good power play performer. The Flyers are going to need uh, a fair amount of bounce-back season from him this year if they're going to be, you know, still be at least a playoff bubble team. I think he's, he's certainly is a, a crucial guy, and he's going to be a crucial guy for another couple of years to come. So I think that, uh, you know, while he's not finished, I, I think uh, he's – He's on kind of, kind of the later period of his prime, and you might have to adjust expectations for him in the relatively near future. But no, I don't think he's finished. Well, Bill, if you look at the present Flyers roster with, uh, I'll get this right, Laya Bulmov going back to Russia and not accepting the Flyers' offer, their, their present roster has eight centers, one left wing, and four right wings as, as we speak. Um, how does that play out? There's certainly somebody's going to have to go to left wing or somebody's going to the minors, and they're going to have to yeah, find some left wingers. Yeah, yeah they'll, well, they'll, they'll, move, they'll move some guys who've 
who have have some experience on the wing. I mean, Wheel listed as a center, but he'll he'll play wing. Valtteri uh, uh, Sopilas is naturally a center and played center when he came over last year, but he he could see time on wing. You know that that uh, I mean, Shen is. You know, Shen is a, was a winger or center rather, who uh, at least by his preference was a center, who played more wing than they played center his whole time with the Flyers. Even if you look back to when they had, you know, Jeff Carter and, and uh, Mike Richards and those guys, they uh, they tended to, to have a lot of natural centers on the roster and having guys play on the wing. You know, some guys adapt better than others, but that that that'll sort itself out. I think they I think they do need you know I think they do need a little more scoring on the wings though, and hopefully. You know, some of those players I mentioned, hopefully Lindblom steps in, gives them some offense. Wheel shows he's the shows he's the real thing. I mean, these are all question marks because, you know, you, you can't go in saying, saying okay, for example, for twenty goals, pencil and Lindblom for eighteen his first year. I mean, you just you just these are unknowns at this point. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that there are definite question marks, whereas other teams in the division have more known quantities. So I think that, uh, you know, it, it's it's still a team in transition, but when you look at all the young players in the system, we haven't even talked about all the young defensemen they have coming up and Provorov continuing to develop. I think long-term they're in great shape. The, I still think there's a little bit of transition to go for us. So. All right, Bill, it's time to talk about the situation that drives a lot of us crazy every year. That is the Flyers' goaltender situation. Steve Mason is officially gone now. Michael Neuvert and Anthony Stolarz are still in the picture, along with newly signed Brian Elliott, who's 32 years old and has played for four NHL teams, most recently the Calgary Flames. How will things play out in terms of playing time in the coming season for the goalies? Well, I, you know, I think that, to me, ideally – um, Neuberth had a really good season um, about this past year. This past year was actually the worst season of his career. But the season before that, he had a, he had almost a career year. Um, and to me, they're going to do a 1A, 1B split. But if one guy, if Neuberth can actually stay healthy, to me, Neuberth is the more talented of the two goalies. Um, Elliot is, is a veteran who's done well when he's had good defense in front of him. Um, he's you know, he's professional. He's uh, a good teammate, and all the above. He's uh, he's a competent goalie. I, I wouldn't want Elliot as the the long term number one guy, but they're going to still split time. I, you know, Elliot might get opening night, and they might almost kind of rotate for a while until somebody gets hot. Uh, last you know, last year Dave Haxel would run with one guy, whether it was Mason or whether it was um, you know, Neuberth. He would run with the guy for an extended period of time. Of course, of course Neuberth spend extensive time injured. That that's the biggest concern with me is Neuver staying healthy because again, I don't I don't think Ellie is a guy that I necessarily wouldn't the Flyers a roll with fifty five, sixty games. But uh, you know, if if Neuverth is reasonably healthy and has a bounce back year and I and I think Elliot will be steady enough. Uh I think that as long as as long as they improve enough team defense wise, because that's been a spotty area and that's a question mark because they could have as many as two rookie defensemen on the team. So as they as they're sorting all those issues out, once they once they kind of get everybody on the same page, and hopefully there's guys that are healthy, I think they'll be okay in goal. But I don't think the Flyers are going to be you know an elite goaltending team. But although that being said, you know if you look at the combined numbers of Mason and Neuvirth, not last year but the year before, actually goaltending was one of the Flyers' biggest strengths that year. So you know I think that um, on paper goaltending is just average. But it, it could, you know, it could work out where it's, it's a non-issue. I would think. 
Well, Bill, let me follow up. But what does that mean for Stolarz? And what about the young guys in the system, guys like Carter Hart and Alex Lyon? Are they close yet to being NHL ready? Well, yeah, I, with with Stolarz, Stolarz is um, he, he was impressive in, a, in his short stint with the Flyers last year. He's kind of been a street goalie so far in the American Hockey League. He's gotten when when I first saw um, Stoli at, at his first development camp, which was five years ago at this point. I thought, wow, this guy, this guy is raw. He's, you know, he's got a long, long, long way to go. One of one of the rawest goalies I've ever seen at a professional camp. And then every year he got better, he got better, he got better. He played in the American League, you know, American Hockey League All Star game. Every single year he's gotten to the point where now he's in the picture to get some NHL time, particularly if somebody gets hurt. Hexall said that he wasn't comfortable for given Neuvers' injury history. And if Neuvers goes down and that's your tandem, then all of a sudden stars as your starter playing every game. I, I, he was more comfortable having a veteran in that role. So at least for the time being, it pushes stars back to the Phantoms. But, you know, Neuver's history is that he, he doesn't get through a whole season healthy, unfortunately. He'll miss, he'll miss a month here. He'll miss two weeks there. So Stolarz will get – Stolarz will see some time with the club this year, and I think there's a little more confidence in getting in some games. But he's, um, you know, he's a guy who, um, you know, just another year of improvement might get him to where, you know, to where – where he's at least an NHL backup. Uh, he's going to be competing for time. You mentioned Alex Lyon. Lyon had a pretty good year with the Phantoms last year, his first year out of college. Uh, he's a little bit of an older prospect. Um, he's uh, he's kind of on a, I'd say, almost a similar level to where Solars is. Uh, the hope for the future, you mentioned Carter Hart, and you, there's also a Swedish goalie named Felix Sandstrom. Uh, they're, both, they're very high in both of those guys. The thing to keep in mind, though, is that goalies take the longest of any position to develop. So Carter Hart is going to go back to junior hockey this year. He's going to need at least one year in the American Hockey League, possibly two. You know, Matt Murray came along and had about a season and a half in the American Hockey League and dominated and stepped in with Pittsburgh, and, of course, he's won two cups since then. You know, that doesn't happen very often. You know, even even you look back at Mason – who won the Calder Trophy as NHL Rookie of the Year at age 20. That really doesn't happen very often. The typical development cycle is that a goalie is going to need at least four years from the time you drafted him. So it's going to take a little bit more time. I think, I think Sandstrom could be two years away. You know, that, that's, a, that's a realistic, maybe a little bit on the optimistic side scenario. Carter Hart's going to need a couple more years. Um, Stolarz and Lyon may be ready a little bit sooner. Question mark is if they're – number one caliber goalies. You know, the, the Flyers, this isn't the first time the Flyers have had the situation where they've had a lot of really good goalie prospects in the system. If you look back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they had five of them at once. And the end, the best of them ended up being Brian Boucher and Andre Niedemaki. Good goalies, not, not great goalies, but good goalies. You know, you, you, hope, you hope one guy kind of rises on that plane where he becomes an elite goalie. And with goalies, it's so hard to tell because, again, because they do develop later. And a lot of these guys blossom, and they're you know, about 24, 25, 26 years old. So, you know, the, the more the merrier in terms, of, in terms of depth in the system. In the meantime, they have a couple of competent veterans, you know, and they're, they're, hoping, to, they're hoping for to develop somebody for the long term. But that's not going to be – that's not going to even be season, season after this one. I think it's a, a long-term projection. Well, Bill, to be a good goaltender, you have to have a good defense. As you mentioned, there's going to probably be a couple rookies on that defense, and 
Provorov obviously will be in his second year, just a youngster. Gossis Bear still young by NHL standards. There's some rumbles about Andre Markov possibly coming over, a 16-year veteran, 38 years old from the Canadians. Is is a guy with that type of leadership and experience necessary for these young guys? Well, you know, I, Ron Hexall is apparently not interested. He's denied having spoken to Markov. Markov doesn't have an agent. Markov represents himself. I have to, you know, speak from my own point of view where I think that Markov would be an instant upgrade. Uh, I think that Markov is a better defenseman than Andrew McDonald. Markov is a better defenseman than, um, you know, than Brandon Manning. Um, and I think that, I, that neither of their roles, you know, he, he's asking for a lot of money. He's looking for a two-year deal at 38. Teams are kind of, you know, not interested in going two years on him. I still think ultimately he ends up back in Montreal. But to me, I would make the cap numbers work out if they could, if they could get an agreement with Markov, just because I think that there's, there's, he's coming off a very good year in Montreal. Even, even at his age, he hasn't shown signs of decline yet. You know, usually it'll happen all of a sudden where he'll kind of dive off of a cliff. But I think, you know, I don't think it's going to happen next season. You know, maybe you don't go two years with him. But I, to me, when you have a young defense and you have a, a proven guy such as Markov, and the fact that, the fact that he's a fellow Russian along with Provorov is nice, not necessary, but would be nice. I, to me, I, to me, it's something that I think you would have to at least look at and see if there's a way to make that work out. But it doesn't seem like that realistically is going to happen. So, you know, I think the Flyers are just going to probably make do with what they have, which means that Andrew McDonald will stay on the top pair with Provorov. Um, we'll see where we'll see where Manning slots in, whether it'll be the six or the seven, rotating in and out with, uh, you know, at least one of the rookies. Um, and then, you know, go from there. I think the uh, defense is a work in progress. That's fair to say. Hey, you mentioned the rookies. Last year the Flyers played two of them regularly in Proveroff and Travis Konechny. Now, in addition to number two draft pick Nolan Patrick, are we going to see some of the other young prospects this fall, like the guy you mentioned, Oscar Lindblom, uh, Mike Vecchione, Sam Morin, Robert Haig? Who are we going to see? Well, I think that Moran has a good shot at the roster. Robert Haig has a good shot at the roster. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention Konechny before. Konechny is one of the big pieces in, in trying to uh, replace you know, Braden Shen's offense because Konechny will play, a, I think, a considerably bigger role this season. Uh, but in, in defense, you know, they have, in, in addition to Moran and Haig, who I think um, simply because they have the most uh, professional seasoning at this point, um, they're very high on Travis Sanheim. I think they'd like Travis Sanheim to get a little bit more AHL seasoning. Last year, at different times, he showed kind of all the elements they're looking for. Um, he, in junior hockey, he was a very good offensive defenseman, had some defensive question marks. Uh, last year, the first half of the year, they really wanted him to focus on his play without the puck. And he, was, and he, he'd improved, he improved quite a bit defensively. Um, but didn't score a goal until December, and then things started. Then things started coming together. He ended up scoring ten goals, and ten goals on a team where they had T.J. Brennan, you know, kind of anchoring the power play and stuff. That was you know, that was that was very encouraging to see. As he also continued to play pretty well defensively, but I think they'd like to see Sam I pull that together for another year. Um, you know, pull everything together and show he does that over an extended period of time. But he'll he'll be up at some point. If not this season, then. In the, the season after that, I think will be up. Uh, they also like a defenseman by the name of um, Philippe Myers. Uh, would play on the top pairing in the uh, Canadian World Junior Championship team. I think they want him to have a little bit of AHL time, particularly coming off of uh, 
some concussion issues this past season. So I, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's a guy who could play in the NHL in the relatively near future. But I think, but I think in the short term, Moran and Hague are the two most likely defensemen to start the year with the team. Great, very interesting. Hey, hey, Bill, you know, Ron Hextall has said a handful of times over the last few weeks that uh, he doesn't want to box out the young players, and he's, he's certainly taken that approach. Do you feel like the farm system and, and these young kids are, are NHL-ready and good enough to take that approach, or are we still, are we still in the rebuild mode? Well, I, I you know, I, I think that the guys that I mentioned are probably ready this year. Now, how much impact they're going to make is, is uh, you know, it's a good question because it'll, and you can't even really go by the preseason necessarily. Look look at last year. You know, Konechny had a, a very, very, very strong preseason and then had the usual rookies, rookie ups and downs. There's, there's always going to be a little bit of a wall that a lot of these guys hit. They, there's adjustments they have to make. And then you hope over a couple of years they continue to, to track upwards. So NHL ready is almost a different – you know, almost a different question as to whether they're ready to really be impact guys in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I think with some of the forwards are going to have to be. I mean, Patrick, assuming Patrick makes the team, he's going to be a guy to be going to play in the top six, maybe even right away. So, you know, they, they're going to need him to make an impact relatively quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the farm system, they have a, they have a lot of really good prospects. We haven't even talked about. Uh, German Rubitsov, who was a Russian player they picked first overall last year, they're very high on him, and they think he's going to be another potential top six forward, but I think he's going to need another year. So, you know, these, they have guys who are getting – some guys who are ready, some guys are maybe a year from being ready, like Rubitsov, maybe Sandheim. And then, you know, then you start judging, okay, well, how have these guys developed? You know, how, how are, are they starting to look like they're going to be NHL impact players? In terms of, in terms of farm system depth, Hexy's taken a system that was kind of barren a few years ago, and I, I think even objectively looking at it, the Flyers have a top five farm system in the NHL right now, which is, you know, which is terrific, but it also has to produce results in terms of development. So they're they're kind of, uh, you know, they're they're still in transition, as I was saying. They they've uh, they've been a playoff bubble team the last few years, largely in the strength because they've been very good at home. I don't think people have even realized how good they've been at home because they've been so bad on the road. <laughs> um, but the you know, Flyers last year at 55 points at home. You know, if you're, you know, that's an, obviously the most teams are a little better at home than on the road. But 55 points is a really good home team. It, it's up with the top playoff teams that uh, they were. You know, but they they've been atrocious on the road for the most of the past few seasons. Even when they squeaked into the playoffs, you know, season before the, the last one. They were just over 500. They needed the last game of the season to get over 500 on the road. That's honestly where you separate the contenders from the pretenders, uh, because you know, even if you have 50 points at home, well, you know, you're still going to have to have close to 50 points on the road to make it to make it in. That's that's tough to do. The Flyers have a have a lot to prove in terms of being a team that can go in and, and match up against other teams on the road, get better five on five have some of these young guys develop. And then as these things fall in place, you can say, okay, the, the transitional phase is over. They're back to being a playoff team. And then it's putting pieces in place to be a, a cup contender. But, you know, I think they're, they're not at that step yet. Hey, Bill, we're just about out of time. And before we let you go, um, you do a lot of work with the Flyers alumni. What can you tell us about the Flyers charity classic coming up on the 16th? 
that's a yeah that's a really that's a really exciting event um there are there are four different events um three of them are they're you know, they have different races for bicycling um one's a family bike ride one's a 50k one's a a uh, 100k uh, and there's also a 5k walk and run but the really to me the really neat thing is is that seven of the teams that are participating are, are captained by flyers alumni and anyone anyone can join them and um, for example, there's a, there's a team that's captained by Brad Marsh. There's one that Bernie Perron has. Paul Holmgren has one. Danny Briere has one. Um, Ian LaPerriere. Um, Bill Clement has one. And you can just you go on to the uh, you can launch it off of the Flyers website if you click the Charity Classic. Then there's a link to where you can sign up, and then you can choose the choose those teams. So you can actually walk or run right alongside you know the. Flyers alumni guys, even including Bernie Perron, and there are, um, you know, you don't even have to you don't even have to participate in the same event as the Flyers alumni who's the captain. You could participate in any of the events and still be on their team. But it's neat if you you know it's neat if you do the event same event as they do. Like Bernie's doing the is walking the five k, so you, know, you could be walking on the same team that Bernie is, or, or running, or, nice. or whatever. And I think that's you know that's a pretty neat concept. Yes, Very it is. Good. Well, hey, Bill, before we let you go, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you, what all you have going on at your website, and, and all your contact info. Okay. Uh, well, I do also do a lot of work for the uh, Flyers themselves. So if you go on the Flyers' um, official website, which is uh, nhl.com slash flyers, um, actually we have something coming up on Nolan Patrick. I mean, it might run tonight, might run tomorrow. Um, so that that's and then every day you can find me at hockeybuzz.com because I'm the uh, Flyers blogger at HockeyBuzz. And also on, also on FlyersAlumni.org. I'm the uh, website editor, and I also do their social media. So there's there's a lot of features on Flyers Alumni there as well. Fantastic. Great stuff, Bill. Well, Bill, we appreciate you joining us as always, and uh, you always have a great insight what's going on with the Flyers, and we hope we can do it again. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. All right. Thanks. Great talking hockey. Now let's talk food and drink with the Irish Rover Station House Bar Manager, Chris Gaskill. How goes it, Chris? Great. How are you, Chet? Doing all right. Hey, Chris, we mention every week here that the Irish Rover has food and drink specials every day. Plus, you have Killer Burger Thursdays. Now, I see you've got something on the calendar for Wednesday the 12th that'll be of interest to lots of country fans. Yeah, we're so excited. The gang from Corona is coming out at 7 p.m., and they have Dirk's Bentley concert tickets to give away. So stop in, have a cold Corona. they got swag and all kinds of stuff to give out, and hopefully you'll be a lucky winner. Awesome. And later in the month, a paint party on the 18th, a Phillies tailgate party on the 26th. Always great food, 24 beers on tap, lots of big screen TVs, and so much more. Where is that, Chris? All at the Irish Rover. On Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Check out their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. In case you don't recognize it, that is Don't Do Me Like That, one of the many great tunes played last weekend at the Wells Fargo Center by the amazing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Terrific concert by Tom and the guys. Just saying. All right. Well, hey, Chet, we mentioned last week that uh, we unveiled our brand-new line of polar shirts, and they are now for sale. But, Chet, like last week, our listeners can win one right now if they can correctly answer your trivia question. The number to answer that question is 
929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855. Chet, tell us about the shirts and when the next order will be going in, and then follow up with that trivia question. And I don't know the question, so I hope I can win the shirt. Well, you are not eligible, Mr. Furman, so no. But anyway, if you follow us on Facebook, and you probably uh, do, you likely saw us modeling these new polo shirts recently, the Port Authority 6040 Cotton Poly PK Polo Shirts made for us by Personal Touch Advertising, are available in five different combinations. You can get black shirts with a green logo or an orange logo, or you can choose a white shirt with either a green logo, an orange logo, or a cool red and blue logo. That one's nice. And they are all available in all adult sizes, men's and women's sizes. You can order a shirt via our website where you can see the combo story and advertising that I put together recently. They're $25 or $28 for some of the larger sizes. And if you need them shipped, add another $6 to the price. Now, our next order will be placed this Saturday. I'll send out a reminder on Facebook tomorrow, but uh, if you want to order one, make sure you let us know by this Saturday. And if you live in either the Philly, Trenton area or down in the Lakeland, Florida area, we'll do our best to personally deliver them to you if we can to help you save on that shipping charge. But you know what? Let's try to give one away right here, right now. We didn't get a winner last week, as we noted, so let's try it again. We want to give a shirt away, and we are placing the order this weekend, so uh, let's do it. If you're listening live to the program here on this Wednesday evening, you'll get one of these shirts absolutely free if you are the first person to call in with the correct answer to this little trivia question. Here we go. You've heard a lot lately about new 76er J.J. Redick, including the fact that he is Duke's all-time leading scorer. What we want to know is, what former Sixer is Duke's second all-time leading scorer? Again, Duke's second all-time leading scorer is a former Sixer. Who is it? Call us right now if you know, if you're listening live. The number 929-477-2855. And if you answer correctly, we will send you a Philly Press Box Radio polo shirt in the color combination and size of your choice. 929-477-2855. And, Mr. Chesko, I'm going to tell you I know the answer. Aha. Uh-huh. I didn't know if you did, but uh, you know a little bit about basketball and uh, some of the Sixers' history, so I thought you might. But you don't get a yeah, shirt anyway. I, Sorry. Oh, uh, darn. I sure do. Maybe I could uh, get it to somebody that needs it. You know what I mean? I hear you. All <laughs> right. Well, hey, Chet, while the listeners are thinking about that, let's talk a little Sixers because I know you're excited even though it's summer league. You watched the debut of Markel Fultz last week, and tonight the newest Sixter, 19-year-old Turkish shooting guard Furkan Korkmaz, makes his much-awaited debut. What was your first impression of Fultz, and what do you make of Korkmaz, the first-round number 26 pick of the 2016 draft, joining the club? I think that's a bit of a surprise. Yeah, well, I saw a lot of good things from Fultz the other night. He plays hard. He plays with confidence. Not a great defender, we knew that, but he is quick to recover when he gets beat on defense, and that's in fact how he ended up getting three blocks in his first summer league game. His shooting, just okay for the first time out, nothing special, but uh, I do expect him to improve there. The kid sure looks like he's got a lot of potential. Meanwhile, Boston's top pick, third overall this year, Jason Tatum, looked real good. Very impressive debut. In fact, he hit the game-winning shot in the closing seconds. Now, as for Furkan Korkmaz, Great name, by the way. I don't know a whole lot about him other than he's 6'7 or 6'8, and he's a shooting guard who's got a real nice touch, supposedly. He's also got a good head of hair, so uh, I'm going to check him out and uh, try to watch his debut later this evening. <laughs> 
Well, it's going to be fun because uh, I can tell you what I have seen and heard from Fultz, I like everything about him. I like everything he says. I like everything about the way he acts. Uh, he seems like, for a youngster, he seems like he's really got his act together. Yeah, he really does. Seems like a nice young man, and he, he really wants to, you know, do the right thing and help this team win. He's been practicing hard since they drafted him, and uh, I think he's got a bright future. Looking forward to see what he and Simmons can do together on the court. Hey, I think we have a caller on the line. Should we see if we have a winner? Well, let's see if we have a winner. All right, we have someone on the line here in Philly Press Box Radio. Who are we talking to here? That would be uh, your Philly Press Box <laughs> men's model. Holy and by the cow. way, I'm looking. By the way, I'm looking for payment because I heard your your sales skyrocketed <laughs> after I put my picture with your polo shirt on my Facebook ad. Well, skyrocket <laughs> is very relative. <laughs> yeah, you did look good there, Danny. Though I must say, oh, thank nice. you, definitely in that shirt. And we appreciate you, you know posting that. No, no kidding aside. Yeah, looking good. <laughs> yes, I have the answer. Who that is it, Danny? Johnny Dawkins. Johnny Dawkins. Johnny Dawkins, the Duke alum. Yes, second all-time Duke leading scorer behind only J.J. Redick and uh, a good career with the 76ers. So, Danny, you got another shirt coming in addition to the ones you ordered. That's great. I'll get well, As soon as I get it, I'll put it on as soon as I get that contract in the mail. <laughs> and I can sign that, you know. Hey, my my we'll people have will a lawyer contact you. your guy. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? All right, Danny. Oh, yeah. Hey, good good job, and uh, glad to have you back live. We haven't had you live for a while. I've been listening. I've been uh, when I haven't been able to listen live. I catch the podcast every time. So. All right. Been, well, hey, we appreciate really that. Work, but I'm I'm glad to be back live too. All glad right. to have you, Danny, and congrats on winning the shirt. Take care, man. All right, you guys take it easy. All right. Hey, hey, Chet, I I wanted to throw something out at you, too. Uh, And this came out on CNN Philly today, and I thought it was really interesting where they they projected uh, uh, their top ten Sixers. You know, there's 12, okay, 12 on the roster. But here's – I'm going to run this by you and get your thoughts. Starters, Fultz, Simmons, Reddick, Covington, and Embiid – with a bench of Sarek, Holmes, Bayless, Luwawa, Luwawu, and Amir Johnson. That's 10. Where is Jaleel Okafor? Yeah, well, you can actually have, I think, 15 now, and you can even have, like, a couple of guys in storage to use occasionally. Um, yeah, there's, there, they have a lot of players that are under contract and theoretically available. Uh, another guy you left out or they left out, I saw Bob Cooney and Jessica Camerado talking about this, uh, T.J. McConnell. What, I mean, he yeah. had a real solid year for the team last year. Um, the, the problem is they have a lot of guys under contract, all of whom are now legitimately NBA players, something that wasn't the case, you know, two years ago. So, yeah, Okafor was left off of, uh, I think, Jessica's uh, list. Um, T.J. McConnell was left off Bob Cooney's list of the top ten guys. So there are going to be some tough Jessica's decisions both. to make. There are going to be some tough decisions to make. You know, do you keep Stauskas and McConnell? Uh, do you get rid of one of them? Stauskas probably a better fit because he's a shooter, and that's something Brett Brown wants. But, you know, how do you say goodbye to a guy like McConnell? I know, you know he's not an all-star, but he plays hard, and he's a fan favorite. So, boy, you know, 
I hate, I'd hate to see him get the axe just because of a, a numbers crunch. But, uh, you know, some guys are going to have to be sent packing. That's just the way it is. Yeah, well, you know, unless they, they package somebody up and deal them. I mean, there's there's room. they get too many young guys here to to just release them. You know, they've, they've yeah, got to know, find spots for these guys. And there's not even uh, that Furkan Korkmaz on that list of the top ten guys. And, you know, what if this guy right. is a legitimate player? You know, so they have really 13 or 14 players right now who can play in the NBA, whereas three years ago they had maybe one or two. So times are good, are good that's for sure. And uh, now it's going to be up to Brett Brown and Brian Colangelo to decide who stays, who gets playing time, and uh, it's going to be interesting. It sure is. And, and they, you know, there's going to be other moves out there. Guys are going to want to trade. There's rumbles out there about the Celtics are wanting to trade some guys uh, because they've got to make room for Hayward, uh, possibly Bradley, Smart, and Crowder. All could be moving out of Boston. Uh, you know, I don't know you want to keep trading with Boston, but, you know, if it, if it helps make your yeah. team better, I guess, you, you know, you got to look at it. Hey, speaking of Bob Cooney and Jessica Camerato, uh, on uh, Philly Sports Talk today, Cooney predicted the Sixers would make the playoffs as an eighth seed. Jessica has them at a seventh seed. And you know that I have them at least that high, maybe higher. A CSN Twitter poll of fans had 83% of them saying, yes, the Sixers are now a playoff team. Check back with me in October for my official prediction. Well, you know, as as Keith said last week, Keith Pompey, you know, we got to see – how this plays out and, you know, you get through the preseason and see who in the world the roster is. You know, uh, some of these guys, as, as we just said, probably aren't going to be here. Yeah. Um, preseason is important, at least in that aspect. You know, they have to figure out who's going to be on the team and who's going to get the bulk of the playing time and what the heck's going to happen with Jaleel Okafor and, you know, whether – Cork Maz is a keeper, whether TJ is going to be around. A lot of decisions to be made, that's for sure. You bet. All right. Hey, Chet, about the Phillies. Yes, the Phillies. 82 <laughs> games are in the books. That's one over the midseason point. They're 28-54, and 54, 21 games behind the Nationals. That gets you 55 or 56 wins, 108 losses thereabouts, uh, if this keeps up. But the question for you, they gave Dick Williams the call. He started out pretty well. Do you see a full house cleaning coming, and when's it going to happen? And on top of that, who are you trading first? And by the way, you probably saw I was up at City Field for Nick Williams' Major League debut last Friday, so that was kind of cool. Um, to answer your question, I don't see a full house cleaning, but I do expect more changes as July, July turns to August. I expect at least a couple of guys to get traded. Most likely that Pat Neshek, the reliever who happens to be the Phillies' lone all-star representative, and maybe Jeremy Hellickson because he's a veteran pitcher that a lot of teams could use uh, for the stretch run. Now, there's talk that perhaps uh, Cesar Hernandez or Howie Kendrick or even Michael Franco could get traded, but Hernandez and Kendrick would first have to show they are healthy because right now they're on the disabled list. And as for Franco, I don't see that happening, even though we know that Scott Kingry has been taking pregame grounders down at Lehigh Valley where he continues to tear it up offensively. I don't think Matt Clentock would pull the trigger on a Franco deal because despite his 218 average, there's still a lot of talent there and he won't be 25 until next month. So I don't think you're going to give up on Franco just yet. So I'm going to say Hellickson and Nishak will be traded before the end of July. Well, I am going to take you one step further. 
because I'll tell you who's going to get traded because he right now might be at the top of his game from a trade standpoint, and that is going to be that Freddie Galvis. I think Freddie is getting the gate. I think he might actually bring something. Uh, He's playing pretty well, and I think that uh, now is the time to move him. Um, I could see that. We'll we'll see. We'll see. He's hitting, what, 254? uh, He's a great shortstop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, like I say, at 254, he is probably at his highest value right now. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think there's a chance that he could go. J.P. Crawford is going to have to get the call at some point, um, and is probably going to get it in September anyway. Even if they were to move Galvis to second or whatever they do with Kingry here, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, and, and the other one I think is a, is a real situation for him is this Rice Hoskins. Uh, you know, the first baseman Tommy Joseph is playing halfway decent. Hoskins is a bomber. He's got 20 home runs already at Lehigh Valley. He hit 38 at Reading last year. It's time to make the move. Uh, but Tommy Joseph probably has been their most consistent hitter all season long. You know, he started out slow, but then he's done pretty well. And he's held on to that. So I don't know that Tommy Joseph brings you a whole lot, but something's going to happen because you can't leave Hoskins down there. Yeah, I would definitely listen to offers for Joseph. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And I wouldn't be shocked if Freddie Galvis did become an ex-Philly. It would not surprise me. Um, you mentioned J.P. Crawford, though. I'm, I'm starting to worry about him. I mean, it's July. He's still only hitting 212 at Lehigh Valley. That is not a good sign. It is not a good sign. And, uh, you know, if you hit, if you can't hit a triple-A, you almost certainly aren't going to hit in the big leagues. It gets nothing but, but tougher from there. So, um yeah, we'll see, but they're they're certainly going to give him his shot. And the, and the same can be said for that Dylan Cousins. You know, he's a he's a big bomber. He's got 19 home runs also, but he's hitting 236 uh as an outfielder. You know, you you can't come up to the big leagues and strike out 200 plus times and only hit, you know, 220. That's not going to work. So They've got a lot of yep. decisions to make, but I think Nick Williams is showing good, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it. The starting pitching has pitched pretty well. The one I think is a little bit of a mystery right now is that Vince Velasquez. I'm not quite sure how this is going to turn out for Velasquez. I haven't even heard much about him lately. We know he's been on the injured list. I mean, is he near coming back? I haven't heard a thing about him lately. Yeah, he's supposed to be back. He's pitched one game at Lehigh Valley, but it was he only went two innings. Uh, so he's on, you know, he was on a pitch count and just got a little bit of work. But uh, boy, he has struggled uh, mightily, you know, for the Phillies before he went on that DL. And one can only hope that he uh, he gets himself straightened out. He's still a youngster, uh, twenty, I believe he's like twenty five years old. So. You know, there's a like for, like you said with Franco, it's a little early to get give up on him, but uh, he's got to get straightened out. Some of these other youngsters are pitching pretty well. Oh, and the other guy who's uh, got to get straightened out, he's coming back this Sunday, is Jared Eikhoff. 0-7 with the big club this year. Before he got hurt, he made a rehab start, I believe it was last night, did okay. And I still have faith in Eikhoff. I think he's got the stuff to be a, you know, a number three pitcher in the major leagues but he certainly didn't look like it at the start of this season. So let's hope that he's right physically and can get back on track. Yep. And and the one I want to look at, since you mentioned that, is I want to look at this Jake Thompson. 
see what in the world has happened to him and you know he's sitting down there at triple a and he couldn't get anybody out of the big leagues and you know he came maybe with the most what they thought the highest upside of everybody yeah i I was real high on him when they got him two years ago i thought he was a legitimate big league prospect uh in fact i saw him pitch i think his first game when he was with uh uh redding when they played in trenton i was there for that and, uh, you know, I'm not ready to give up on him. He's still, what, mid-20s. So let's hope he can get it figured out. I'm also liking Ben Lively, who's pitched pretty well in three of his last four starts, and he's on the mound this evening as we speak. So, you know, he, he's one and three, but he's pitched well, like I said, three out of the last four times he took the hill. So there's hope there. And Aaron Nola has looked real good of late, so Nola looks like he's getting it back. So, you know, maybe things yep. aren't as bleak as they look like they have been this season. Well, and Leiter, Leiter's pitched well, too. He's yeah, I'm assuming he's going to go back down. He'll pro- probably go back down when Eikhoff comes back on Sunday, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of that, Jake Thompson at Lehigh Valley, he is 3-9 and nine with a 5-9-7. Ouch. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is not, that's good. not so good. So we'll not see. I think there's going to be a lot of changes. I saw an interview with Pete McCannon that was just on in the last day or so. And he kind of indicated there were going to be a lot of changes and they weren't going to be far off. So that's the reason I even wanted to bring this up. I think there's going to be some moves, and certainly he didn't indicate what any of them were going to be. Um, But uh, I I think they're right in front of us. We'll talk about it some more next week probably. We certainly will. Hey, Chet, uh, there are some interesting autograph guests coming up in the next few months of interest to Philly sports fans. And, as you know, Carl's Cards and Collectibles will have, be having Steve Lefty Carlton in, in August. Uh, Popple Sports will be having Jim Tomei in August. And Roy Halliday and our buddy Bill Bradley will be at the Philly Sports or the Philly Show in September, along with a bunch of others. I believe our buddy Swit has uh, Blair Thomas going to be at that show. These guys are, are keeping the autographs and memorabilia business hopping around there. Are you in line for any of those guys? Well, as you know, I'm not a huge autograph guy, but those are some great names right there. I mean, what Phillies fan wouldn't want to add Tomei, Halliday, and Lefty to his or her collection? And we know from personal experience that Bill Bradley is just a terrific guy, a real character who's fun to talk to. Kudos to Carl, by the way, for getting Steve Carlton to come into the store later this summer for a public signing. Carl's also got Jim Lonborg on the summer schedule, too. He does, and actually I believe he's got, uh, for, for us old-timers, he's got a couple 64 Phillies, Art Mahaffey and Bobby Wine coming into this store as well. And I, and I can tell you, as far as the big three we mentioned, Jim Tomei and Roy Halladay are two that I do not have in my collection. Um, oh. So i got to figure out how we're going to maybe make that happen, and I have a couple things with Lefty that uh, I need to get done as well. So, some great guests to, uh, for for the memorabilia collectors out there who just want to meet and greet with some superstars. You know it. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's uh, let's again thank each and every one of our listeners uh, that visits our website, phillypressboxradio.com. We continue to keep it updated with articles from the local papers. A few that we write, mostly you, sir. You can listen to all of our shows and also – the Vimeos from our show guests. We even have a photo session, which we need to update, by the way, with some of our latest pictures from the golf outing, Chet. And a list of the websites of our guests. And check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Lula Row, Taylor and & Heather, and BobSullivan's LikeYourAge.com. 
Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their website. And, yeah, I'll tip you off to the fact that I'm putting the finishing touches on the, a story on the Phillies here at the midpoint of the season, you know, what's gone wrong and why, that sort of thing. I'll have that on the website either later tonight or tomorrow morning. So something to look forward to. Well, that's, you, you write good stuff, and uh, we get good feedback from that, and uh, I'm sure it is going to be good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Chad, hey, we've got another very interesting guest lined up for next week, and I actually know who it is this time. Tell us. Well, we actually have two guests on with us. They will be on together because, (laughs) yeah, well, they work together on a terrific book that I'm halfway into right now. One of those guests is a name that's familiar to pretty much anyone in and around the Philly sports scene over the past 40-plus years from his radio work and his work with the Our Lads Guide to the NFL Draft last year with his co-author, Joe Valley. Uh, He wrote his memoir entitled No Curveballs, My Greatest Sports Stories Never Told. I'm talking about Bill Werndell, a.k.a. Philly Billy, a brand-new inductee, by the way, into the Delaware County chapter of the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame. He and Joe Valley, his co-author, will be on with us. And i got to tell you, based on what I've read in the book already, Bill will have some amazing stories for us about Will Chamberlain, the Broad Street Bullies, Howard Cosell, and whatever else we can cram into our time together. I know I say this pretty much every week about the following week's show, but I'm really looking forward to this one, this one next week. Well, I am too, and uh, the reason I'm excited about it, Chad, is because we know nothing is off limits. Yeah, yeah. we talked to uh, Bill Werndell a little bit at the golf outing two weeks ago, and he said, yeah, ask me anything. I don't care. I'll talk about it. <laughs> so well, we like and, that, and, and we're, we're going to give our, our listeners just a little bit of a tease because first on my list, Chet, to talk about is going yeah. to be Pete Rose. Oh Pete yeah, Rose, because Bill has quite an opinion about Mister Rose, and uh, we're not going to say what it is or where he's going to take us with this, but uh, we're going to talk Pete Rose with Bill Warndell for sure. And since nothing is off limits, I'm going to tell you, we're going to bring up the Howard Cosell story. Now, we know that Howard Cosell had a little much to drink one night when he was doing a Monday night football game in Philadelphia. Most people know that, but there are some other things regarding that night that I did not know about until I read uh, the part of the book that I've read so far, and it's pretty wild. So uh, I'll tell you right now, Bill Wendell is not a huge Howard Cosell fan. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to tell you whether he's a Pete Rose fan or not. You're going to have to listen to find out. (laughs) It's going to be fun. All right. Look, looking forward to that for sure. Well, Chet, uh, we're, we're getting close and we're on time, and I don't have a parting shot. So do you have a parting shot, sir? And uh, you can actually spend an extra second with it tonight. Well, I realized at 6 o'clock that I did not have a parting shot, so I, I slapped something together. And uh, this is what I came up with, talking about the Major League All-Star Game, which happens to be next week. It's something that I watch at least part of every year. You know, I like the player introductions. I like the fanfare at all. But it just isn't the same these days as it was five to ten years ago when the Phillies always seem to have four or five guys on the National League roster. You know the names. Howard, Rollins, Utley, Halliday, Ruiz one year, Hamels a couple of times, Cliff Lee twice. Well, this year... And our buddy Glenn Macknell, by the way, wrote a great Metro Philly piece about this the other day. The Phillies representative is that Pat Neshek, a guy who's pitched a whopping 33 innings in his entire Phillies career. 
and who will almost certainly be an ex-Philly before the month is over. Heck, maybe even before the All-Star game happens. So, yeah, I'll watch the All-Star game next Tuesday, but not quite as intently as I did between 2006 and 2012. Well, very interesting, and, and you know how I feel about all the All-Star games. If, if any, maybe the be- baseball maybe is the best of all of them. I don't like any of them. But I'll tell you what I will do, Chet. We'll have a little different perspective. We won't have him on because he's not a Philly guy. But my buddy, who is a Major League Baseball trainer, is doing the All-Star game. He, his his team was selected uh, he'll be at the All-Star game. He's at the, uh, he'll be at the Home Run Derby and working that whole thing. And we'll get a little different perspective from somebody in the locker room, and we'll, we'll talk some about that next week. How's that? Sounds good to me. All right. Okay. Hey, Chet, by the way, happy 48th birthday to that John LeClaire today. <laughs> John LeClaire, 48. Yeah, he was uh, certainly a great flyer. And uh, – Bill Meltzer, our buddy, did a piece the other day, as a matter of fact, about the greatest Flyers American-born players. And, of course, John LeClaire and Mark Howe are the two names that immediately come to mind when you think of that list. So, yeah, happy birthday to John LeClaire. All right. Any uh, final topics before we shut it down, Mr. Chesko? Because we are very close to the top of the hour. For any movie lovers, I saw the movie Baby Driver yesterday morning with uh, Kevin Spacey and a couple of other folks in it, like uh, John Hamm from, uh, you know, the Mad Men series. A young actor who played the lead, whose name escapes me right now because they don't have it in front of me, um, Ansel Elgort. He played uh, the Baby Driver character. Uh, real good movie. A lot of action, a lot of excitement, uh, car chases, you know, some fights, some gun battles, and uh, a little bit of a love story, too, but fun movie i gave it an a my favorite movie of 2017 so far baby driver go see it interesting hey maybe uh even though he's not a uh, a flyer maybe we should congratulate that connor mcdavid today chet <laughs> eight years 100 million dollars biggest contract in hockey history where is it going to stop well, look at the NBA. Look at the money that Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and uh, all these other guys, Gordon Hayward and J.J. Redick, one year, $23 million. Man, that's a lot of money. Unbelievable. And, and, you know, I was going to mention this to Bill. We just had so many other flyer things to talk about just to get his perspective on it. I mean, McDavid's a great player. Um, he's only 20 years old, $100 million. It's just mind-boggling so what what happens to Crosby and and others when uh when they come to it's just it's going to uh they don't have the tv contract I don't think to withstand all that yeah they really don't but uh yeah that's a nice deal for McDavid and yeah it's only going to go up for the superstars you know that that's right okay Chet well we have reached the top of the hour so let's thank our special guest Bill Meltzer Irish Rover Station House, Lula Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, July the 12th at 7 p.m., when Bill Werndale and Joe Valley join us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.